I hate cream. Seriously. It's like thick, weird-tasting milk. It's, I'm serious. And people love to ruin coffee with cream. But you know what's even worse than putting cream in coffee? Putting it in tea. Oh. As somebody that was born in England, putting cream in tea is quite possibly the worst thing that you can do. Tea should only be made one way. You boil the kettle to the perfect temperature, you get the perfect Tetley tea bag, the tea bag goes in a pre-warmed cup, and then you pour the boiling water on top, let it steep for 30 seconds, and then you add just a little bit of 2% milk, just for a little bit of coloring. But you never put cream in tea. All right, let's pray, and then you guys can go home. <laughs> I love tea, and everybody makes fun of me for it. But back in 2017, I hiked the High Sierra Trail with five other guys. And the High Sierra Trail is in California, and it's 80 miles long. And on the last day, you crest the top of Mount Whitney. So I now can say that I've stood on the highest point in the continental USA, because it sits at 14 and a half thousand feet. And everybody made fun of me. And I don't know if you can see, but I'm actually off to the right side of that picture, drinking a cup of tea. <laughs> see, we would get into camp, and everybody would busy themselves with swimming in the rivers, or setting up their tent, or making their food, and I would sit down, and I would make a cup of tea. I'd take out my jet boil, and I'd boil the water, and then I'd add it, and I'd sit there without milk, and I would just drink my cup of tea, and I would spend just a moment with God, thanking Him for everything. We are emotional beings created for relationship with God. And when we spend time with him, his voice becomes clearer. See, every morning I wearily walk down my stairs and I walk into our kitchen and I hit the switch on our kettle and I get my favorite mug out that's never been washed and I make my cup of tea in it and then I sit down at the table with my Bible and I just spend some time with the Lord. And then every night before I go to bed, same routine, and I just spend some time with God. The 11 to 12 cups of tea that I drink in between those, that's to just help keep me going. I love drinking tea with the Lord. It's an opportunity to reconnect. It's an opportunity to get to catch up with him. Now, one of the things I've noticed about myself is that my attention span has shortened. And it's not ADD, I can add just fine. And it's not ADHD, I've been tested multiple times for it. But I remember when I was a kid, walking down to the video rental store, and I would always want to find the two VHSs. 
because that meant the movie was two and a half to three hours long. And so I would sit and watch movies like Wyatt Earp and Braveheart and Dances with Wolves. And these are like three hour long movies. But what I've noticed as I've gotten older is that it suddenly moved to like hour and a half long movies and then 20 minute Netflix shows and now the TikTok or Reels on my phone. And the other day I got really frustrated because TikTok brought out this new function where people can now upload three minute long videos. I'm like, I'm not here for that. <laughs> now statistically, the scientists, people that have researched this, have said that since the early 2000s, our attention span has gone from 12 seconds to eight seconds. So literally, our attention span is the same length as someone can stay on a bull at a rodeo. It's shorter than it takes for a rocket to launch. Like a rocket takes 10 seconds, that's all it needs. That's all the prep work and time it takes to launch a rocket. It's just 10 seconds and we can't pay attention for that length. Why, why does this matter? Why am I talking about T? Why am I talking about attention span? Why am I talking about any of this? I don't know. <laughs> Let me check my notes. Uh, hopefully there's a point in here somewhere. See, we are so often focused on being busy in life and we're focused on what's next, what's the next trend or meme or thing that'll bring me joy, the next show or moment that we miss out on what is happening in our lives right here and now. What do we have to do to achieve the next thing? What's the next goal? What's the next journal? What's the next way of planning my life or organizing my life? Hearing the voice of God requires us to stop, slow down, and be intentional with Jesus. Guess what we're talking about tonight? We're talking about hearing the voice of God. But it takes time. It takes relationship. It takes slowing down. Revelations 3.20 says this. Behold, I stand in the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, open the door, I will come into him, and I will sup with him, and he with me. Yes, that is the King James Version. Like I said, I'm old. See, I grew up learning the King James Version. And what I love about this passage of Scripture is the word sup. See, for us, it's a greeting now. But back in the time of Jesus, it was the evening meal. But it wasn't the evening meal. It was actually the beginning of the day, but the Jewish day started in the evening which is kind of hard to wrap your head around. But at every night, families would gather and they would have an evening meal. And it would be a longer meal. It would be an extended meal. It would be a slower time. 
And they would talk about their day, and they would talk about the next day, and they would talk about the week, and they would talk about the family business, and they would talk about how, how they were doing in school, and they would just spend time gathering together and not being in a rush. And what Jesus says is that I want to implant me in that moment. I want to come and I want to dine with you. I want to take time to just be with you. I want to catch up. I want to know what your day was like. I want to know what your day tomorrow looks like. I want to converse with you. For me, it's over a cup of tea. That's where I hear God the most. And my encouragement to you tonight is that as we scratch the surface of hearing the voice of God, that something will spark in you, that there will be an intrigue in you of pursuing how to hear the voice of God. If you came here tonight expecting a five-step guide to how to hear the voice of God, I'm really disappointed for you because you're not going to get that. Because hearing the voice of God isn't a formula. It's, it's not anything special. It's sitting down, taking time to be with God. So, tonight, the point of tonight is this. The voice of God becomes clearer the more time we spend with Jesus. Let's pray. God, we want you to speak tonight. We don't want to hear my voice. We want to hear yours. So I ask that as you use me to be your mouthpiece, that only your words would be spoken tonight, that my words wouldn't come out, only yours. Would you move in this place tonight? And would we hear from you? In your name, amen. Okay, we got a lot of stuff to cover, so I'm going to speak fast. So just come along. It's going to be great. We're going to jump straight into the Old Testament, and we're going to look at the beginning of somebody else's story. And I'm not going to tell you whose story we're looking at, but hopefully you'll figure it out by the end. But there was a man in the Bible named Samuel, and Samuel was a prophet of God. <laughs> uh, you think you got it, but you don't. And Samuel was a prophet of God, and God came to Samuel and said, hey, I want you to go to the house of Jesse, and I want you to anoint the next king of Israel. Now, for perspective, right, that would be like somebody coming up to you and saying, I'm going to anoint you as the next prime minister of Canada, but we're not going to tell the current prime minister of Canada. Okay, and so Samuel's like, well, I don't really want to do this because that's putting my life in harm's way. And so he comes up with an excuse to go and visit the house of Jesse. And he gets to the house of Jesse and he pulls Jesse aside and he says, hey, God sent me here to anoint one of your sons as the next king of Israel. Jesse's like, no problem. Here's my eldest son. He's handsome. He's rugged. He's the oldest all the things I'm not. And so Samuel stands before Jesse's oldest son, and God's like, nope. So Jesse sends out his second son. God says, no. Then the third son, then the fourth son, then the fifth son. And Samuel's starting to stress here a little bit. Because he's like, I know God sent me to Jesse's house, but we're starting to run out of sons. And so then the sixth son and the seventh son comes out, and God's like, no. 
Samuel now has gone through all seven of Jesse's sons. So what does Samuel do? Samuel's at a crossroads. See, he could just give in to cultural pressure and just anoint the first son and say, you know what, maybe I just heard wrong. Or he could have said, maybe I just didn't hear God. I'm just going to go home. Hey, you know what, Jesse, I'm really sorry. I think I got it wrong. We still have a king of Israel. I must have heard God wrong. I'm just going to go home. Instead, Samuel says, Jesse, do you have any more sons? And Jesse's like, yeah, I do. Like, how awkward. It's like, did you not understand the assignment, Jesse? Like, I asked to see all your sons. Not seven out of the eight, like all eight of them. Right? It's like, hey, come on now. And so Samuel's like, look, we're not eating dinner. We're not doing anything until you get me that eighth son. And they're like, well, he's kind of a long ways off in the field because we're not really a big fan of him. Samuel's like, I don't care. What amazing confidence Samuel had in his understanding of the voice of God. That he was prepared to ask an awkward question of a father. And so they send for David, and David is brought back, and David stands before Samuel, and God says, this is the next king of Israel. That's pretty cool. Samuel heard the voice of God, was confident in the voice of God, and then did exactly what God told him to do. Anybody else feel like they're already at that level? Like they're there? Because that's not how Samuel started. Wait, there's more. That, like, that's 1 Samuel chapter 16. But if we back all the way up to 1 Samuel chapter 3, we hear of a very different story of Samuel. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 to 10, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those day, the days, the word of the Lord was rare. There was not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. My son, Eli, said, I did not call, go back and lie down. Turns out Eli wasn't a big fan of having his sleep interrupted. All of us parents here know what that feels like. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. 
quite a difference in those 13 chapters. We see a young Samuel who, when he first heard the voice of the Lord, didn't recognize it. But there is some things that we can glean from this story and from Samuel's beginning. Firstly, Samuel was a servant. He was serving Eli. Secondly, Samuel had a mentor. So you want to hear the voice of God? Are you serving? And do you have a mentor? It's, it's, kind, of, it's kind of just part of the package. But thirdly, and this is the most important part, Samuel positioned himself as close as he could to the Lord. Samuel grew in confidence in the voice of the Lord because he had positioned himself to be able to hear, learn, and grow in confidence. See, back in the olden days, they had a tabernacle, and in there was the Holy of Holies. And if you weren't ceremonially clean or a priest or anything like that, you couldn't go in there because the Lord would strike you dead. And so Samuel sets his bed up on the other side of that curtain. He was positioned as close as he possibly could be to God. Hearing the voice of God requires us to position ourselves to hear his voice. How many of you, if I was to invite you to go see Brent in our sound booth and pull out your phone and plug it into our soundboard and go to your daily mix and hit shuffle, you'd be totally comfortable. You, like, no anxiety whatsoever. For, like, my dad in that generation, Spotify is like CDs on your phone. See, if we were to do that with my phone, you would listen to a lot of twangy country music with, like, a scattering of, like, the old school 90s raps. But, man, when I was starting to prepare for this message, my Spotify daily mix started to change. See, when we want to press into God, the voices that we are listening to, the things that are going on in our life, has to be God-centered. When I want to press into God, when, when I'm feeling disconnected from Him, when I need to really hear from Him, when I'm making a big decision, all social media disappears off of my phone. My daily mix on Spotify starts to change. And look, I'm not, I'm not sharing this to bring like guilt or shame or any of that because I think Jesus loves twangy country music as well. But man, when it's time to press into God, it has to be longer than eight to 12 seconds. It has to be intentional. It has to be you sitting down saying, I just want to be close to God. So Samuel is one example, and he's a good example. But a lot of the heroes of the Old and New Testament never nailed it the first time around. Jesus does. See, Jesus is our perfect example. And in Luke chapter 6, Jesus goes up the mountain, prays to God, comes down the mountain, picks his disciples, and then they go into the surrounding community and start to do the Lord's work. Even 
Jesus went to be alone with God. Hearing the voice of God requires us to make him a priority. It requires us to disconnect. It requires us to physically remove ourselves from a busy environment and spend some alone time with him. And I'm 98% extroverted. Like, this is not an easy task, you guys. I don't like being alone. I like having people around me all the time. But even I have to disconnect to be able to connect with God, to be in relationship with Him. I can't come up to my wife after, you know, if her and I haven't spoke for a week, I can't come up to her and be like, hey, I want to buy a new truck. Because I can tell you what the answer is going to be. But, you know, send her a good morning, beautiful text in the morning. Use Uber Eats to have Starbucks dropped off in the afternoon. Take her out for dinner. Spend just a little bit of time with her. And then just casually, you know, as the nights draw on to an end, hey, I sold my truck today. <laughs> and I already bought another one. But I love you. And I'm so glad we spent this time together. <laughs> it doesn't go over very well. It really doesn't. Especially when she's like, well, I thought your plan was to sell your truck and buy something fuel efficient. And I'm like, oh, no, this one is. <laughs> See, when we stop and we spend time in relationship with God, when we spend time with Jesus, we get to know him. We get to understand and realize his voice. We get to spend some time with him. Isn't that marvelous? You know, in Genesis, it talks about how God would walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. That's the God we serve. He created the mountains so that we could go and see his power. He created life. He created you. If nobody's told you today, you matter to God. So much so, he sent his son so that we could have relationship with Jesus and therefore communicate with the Most High. And he could tell you why you were made and why you matter and why the world needed you. See, John chapter 10 says that my sheep hear my voice. That's Jesus speaking. He's a good shepherd, and a good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. A good shepherd knows his sheep. When my wife was serving as a, uh, a missionary in Morocco, I went to visit her. And one day we decided to drive up into the mountains. And I'm like, it won't take that long to get where we're going, so we won't bring lunch. We'll stop somewhere and get lunch. Because I'm used to North America, where you can go about two hours, and then you find a restaurant. So we start driving up into the mountains, and we're five hours into a two-hour-long drive, and we haven't found anything to eat, and I'm starting to get hungry. 
and we come around the corner, and there's sheep all over the place. The whole road is covered, the ditches are covered, the hills are covered. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And there's this little tiny man with a, a staff, and he's standing, leaning on it. And me, so patient, so kind, <laughs> looks at my wife, and I'm like, you need to tell him really quickly to move his sheep. Because see, she spoke Arabic, I didn't. And of course, in those sort of cultures, there's no such thing as short conversations. So we spent about 10 to 15 minutes as I'm talking to her and she's translating to him and then he's talking back to her who's then talking to me and I'm like, look, this is going to be a great sermon illustration one day, but I'm really hungry. So I'm like, Marcella, please get him to move the sheep. And in my mind, I'm like, this is going to be hours long. And with one simple word, 200 sheep moved over and bunched up right beside him. See, they knew his voice. When he spoke, they responded. They knew his voice. As you draw closer to God and as you spend more time with Jesus and as your relationship deepens... The clearer and the easier you are able to understand what he's saying. And he's not just talking about stuff in your future. He's talking about stuff in your here and now. He cares about that English test you have tomorrow that you haven't studied for. He cares about that truck you found on Marketplace that you're still hoping is there after the now service. <laughs> he cares. Like, I don't have my phone on me. I don't know if the guy's messaging me back. He may be ready to meet. I could be missing out. But I know that God cares, and so it's just going to be good. So... The million dollar question, the, the, the nuts and bolts, how do we hear the voice of God? What does it sound like? How does he speak? Well, there's multiple different ways. Firstly, and most importantly, in my opinion, is through the Bible. This is 66 books that helps explain why you were created and what God wants to do with you. And there are men and women that have given up everything to follow him. And there is story after story after story. There's four books in there, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, bless the bed that I lie on, that explain how Jesus lived his life. And guess what? We're supposed to mirror his life. Our lives are supposed to be a reflection of him. So if you're really wondering what God wants you to do with your life, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Learn about Jesus. Heal the sick. Hang out with sinners. Be different. Share the gospel. Share love. Love your neighbor, regardless of who they are. It's not that difficult. You want to hear the voice of God? Read your Bible. 
Secondly, sometimes God will whisper in your ear and he'll talk to you. Sometimes it's through a friend or maybe one of your community group leaders or one of your pastors. Maybe it's a worship song. Have you guys ever been there and you're in worship and you're maybe not feeling it a little bit to start with and then suddenly it just feels like the worship leader has picked that song just for you. And it's like God is directly speaking to you through those lyrics. Now this one's a difficult one. And it's a little controversial. Actually, it's a lot controversial. Forgive me. Sometimes, God speak through your parents. Yep. Yep. He does. He does. Nine years ago, standing in my parents' kitchen, my mom, who's like little, who's like Mrs. Potts from Beauty and the Beast, she looks at me and she's like, son, I'm like, yes, mom. She's like, you should let God pick your next girlfriend. She could have stopped there. And I'm like, oh, thanks, Mom. I'm like, why? She's like, well, you suck at it. I mean, in her defense, she wasn't wrong. <laughs> At the time, I didn't really like it. But it turns out that by letting God pick my next girlfriend, I ended up marrying way out of my league. So guys, seriously, it works. Okay? Like, I know this isn't like dating advice, but man, I, I like, I swung out of my league. Like, I don't even feel like we're in like the, like the same sport sometimes. Now parents, you may be the biggest influence in your student's life. You spend way more time with them than me as a youth pastor can, than their teachers can, than their coaches can. You are their biggest influence. My encouragement to you is to push into your relationship with God so that you can help your students. And I just want you to know, parents, we're here to help you, not to interrupt your relationship with your student. We want to partner with you as a youth ministry to help your student reach their full potential. All right. Sometimes it's a mentor or a friend or maybe it's one of the other youth pastors on the team, or it's one of the pastors here at Center Street, or perhaps it's a devotional that you're reading on the Bible app, or a sermon series that you hear online. Perhaps it's through nature. Maybe it's through a moment. Something just happens. Something sparks in you. There's a leading. There's a gut feeling. For me, it's usually over a cup of tea that I hear God speak the most. Now, hearing the voice of God is about him speaking. 
And sometimes we panic a little bit because we're like, how do, do we decipher what's God speaking and what's me speaking? Well, there's three things that I would encourage you to lock into your brain. Firstly, if you feel like you're hearing from God, but it directly contradicts the Word of God, it's not the voice of God. Secondly, if it goes against the life and character of Jesus, it's not the voice of God. Colossians 1 tells us that Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. So that means that his life on earth showed us how to live. So if you feel like you're hearing the voice of God and it directly goes against something Jesus would do, then it's not the voice of God. Thirdly, if it goes against the fruits of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, gentleness, patience, kindness, and self-control, it's not God. And that's really, really easy to remember. If it goes against God, if it goes against the Word, against Jesus, or against the fruits of the Spirit, it's not the voice of God. Fourteen years ago, I stood, not fourteen years ago, when I was fourteen. <laughs> Sorry, math is hard when you get old. Fourteen, when I was fourteen, I stood back there, and this church wasn't finished. And it was still under construction, and Kervin Rogus was showing my mom and dad and, and I around, and I remember he was just dreaming about all the exciting things that God was going to do. And I remember standing back there, and I'm like, man, it would be so cool to be a part of this one day. And I just felt like God say, man, it's going to happen. And I, and I just kind of instantly dismissed it. Like, I'm a 14-year-old kid from Prince George, B.C. There's no way that I would be a part of what was going on in Center Street Church. When I was 16, I was standing in the dish pit at Nest Lake Bible Camp, cleaning dishes, and my work crew leader looked at me and said, Ben, you're going to make a great pastor one day. And I said, I will do anything else in this world than be a pastor. I would rather clean dishes for the rest of my life than ever be a pastor. When I was 18, I felt, I felt called to move to, Rock, to Calgary and to attend Rocky Mountain Bible College. Side note. Had I done that, I would have met my wife then. But instead, I decided to go become a mechanic. I gave in to cultural pressure at the time. When I was 22 and my life had completely fallen apart, I felt like God was saying, move to Calgary, submit yourself to me, and serve under Kervin. I was like, no, I know what's best. I, you, you never know what's best, just so you guys know. It's 24 years old. I've moved to Calgary. I'm working on race cars. I'm in a good relationship with Jesus. And I feel like he says, will you give this all up and follow me? Will you preach the gospel? Will you love on my sheep? See, it was easy. Because I could immediately go to the Bible. What did God ask Abraham to do? Give up everything and follow him. 
what did Jesus tell the rich young ruler? Sell everything you have and follow me. Does it line up with what Jesus did? Does it follow the fruits of the Spirit? 100%. So I gave it all up and followed him. And I've been doing that now for 10 years. It's awesome. But it's not me. I want you guys to know it's not me. I'm not the hero of this story. Jesus is the hero of this story. See, Taylor spoke last month about how our past doesn't disqualify us from what God has for us in the future. When I told my buddies I got saved and was becoming a pastor, they didn't believe me. When they met my wife, they unpacked my whole history because they thought I was lying. But you know why Jesus is the real hero of my story? Because I was born with a hole in my soft palate. I couldn't suck, I couldn't swallow, and I couldn't speak. God spoke to my parents when I was young and said, your son is gonna communicate the gospel across the world. Yeah, right. He can't even talk to us. And I remember speech therapy classes, and they would make me suck peas out of one bowl with a straw and drop them in another bowl. And I remember being mocked for the way my voice sounded. And I remember stuttering and getting hung up on my words. And so when I stood back there and when I stood in Essex Bible Camp and God's like, I want you to go preach the gospel, not a chance. But yet here I am, completely unqualified to be here. I've not been to Bible school or preaching school or anything like that. I'm just here to share. <laughs> Jesus wants to sit down and have a cup of tea with you. And he wants to spend time with you and he wants to get to know you and he wants to talk to you about your day and he wants to talk to you about your school and what your next step is. And he cares about the little things in your life. And tonight, as Mike continues to lead us in worship and this amazing worship team, we're going to take a moment. and We're just going to self-evaluate where our relationship is with God. See, maybe you need to disconnect from the distractions that are around you. Maybe you need to delete social media off of your phone. Maybe you need to go sit with your parents and say, Mom and Dad, thanks for what you've done in my life. Maybe you need to go find your youth pastor and say, Hey, I think God's saying this, but I don't know if it's true. Maybe you need to go meet with one of our prayer partners in the back and say, Hey, I need to hear from God. Or maybe you just need to stand here during the next worship song in a position to hear from your heavenly Father. And it's not rocket science. Just stand there, close your eyes, be prepared to look a little foolish, and just say, God, I love you. And I'd really love 
to hear from you. Maybe you just need to know why he created you. Maybe you need to know what he holds next for you. Here's the thing. And I'm going to end where we began. The voice of God becomes clearer the more time we spend with Jesus. Would you guys stand and pray with me? God, thank you. Thank you, God, for saving my life. Thank you for being the hero of my story. Because you're the hero of my story, I can share my story with others because you can be the hero of their story. Jesus, come now and speak. Let us hear your voice. Amen.